This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. The ending and post credits to Shazam! Fury of the Gods explained. You gotta have that exclamation point in there. That's part of the title. It's Shazam! Fury of the Gods. Welcome back to Nerdist News. I'm Hector Navarro, and today we're taking a trip to the city of brotherly love to talk about the latest DC film to electrify the big screens. That's right, Shazam! Fury of the Gods is out today, and while the kiddos turned superheroes have their hands full fighting the Daughters of Atlas during the main plot of the film, the ending and the mid and post credit scenes have been generating some buzz. But to get into exactly what happened in that ending, we're gonna have to go into the spoiler door in the Rock of Eternity. So, if you haven't seen Shazam! Fury of the Gods yet, and you don't wanna be spoiled, grab a cheesesteak and go watch the movie with your family. Family! The plan of the Daughters of Atlas in the film is to get their hands on a golden apple and regrow the tree of life in their god realm. Their realm has been dying after they were cut off from magic by the wizard staff that granted young Billy Batson and his family superpowers. The gods used to treat humans very badly, which is why a council of human wizards decided that giving the remaining gods a long time out in their realm without their powers was a good idea. But without magic, their tree of life was dying. And their eons away from humanity, they understandably grew a little bitter. So they hatched a plan to trap Philly under a dome and get a golden apple which was hidden away in the Rock of Eternity in order to save their realm and get a little revenge while they're at it. So while two of the daughters of Atlas, Hespera and Anthea, were mostly just interested in just rejuvenating their land, their third sister, Calypso, bearing the power of chaos, wanted to get even more revenge on humanity. She planted the Tree of Life in the middle of Citizens Bank Park in Philadelphia. This caused all sorts of mythical monsters to spring into Philly, from minotaurs, to manticores, to cyclops, cyclopses, cyclopi, to harpies, to even unicorns. These creatures rampaged through Philadelphia, creating about as much destruction as Philadelphians cause when they're celebrating a major sports championship win. Zing, Philadelphia, gotcha. As Shazam fights, he notices that the wizard staff absorbs all the power thrown against it. And this gives him an idea. His plan is to supercharge the staff by throwing everything he can at it, bouncing electricity into it, and even absorbing some dragon breath along the way. Then he's going to use it as a bomb to take Calypso, the dragon, and the tree of life out, thus restoring Philadelphia to its normal chaotic state instead of this supernatural chaotic state. Boom! Two zingers, Philly! <laughs> I'm sorry, I got you twice. Hespera and Anthea end up aiding Shazam. Hespera shrinks the dome over Philly so that it just covers the stadium, allowing more of Shazam's power to reflect into the staff. The overcharged staff works like a charm, taking out all the bad guys. But the issue with that is that it also killed Captain Every Power Jr., a.k.a. Billy Batson. He's dead dead. Because of his heroic sacrifice to save his family, he's given a burial worthy of a god. He's buried in the god realm, and unfortunately the staff has been depleted, otherwise it could save him. Only a god could recharge it, and there are none left. Until Wonder Woman shows up and recharges it. The god realm is restored, the Shazam family and Anthea regain their powers, and more importantly, Billy comes back to life. 
The first Wonder Woman movie did establish that all the old gods were gone and that Diana was the only demigod left. The last time we saw Wonder Woman wasn't chronologically in Wonder Woman 1984, but in the Justice League movie. And even though she wasn't played by Gal Gadot, the character appeared in the finale to Peacemaker Season 1, still active with the Justice League. So, this might be the last time Wonder Woman shows up in the DCEU before it drops the E and becomes the DCU. Thank you so much. Then back to the movie, we see the Shazamily getting more used to their powers and a visit from the wizard himself who's going to have a fun time on Earth. He is looking good. <laughs> Nicely done, wizard. And Billy finally learns his actual superhero name, which isn't Captain Every Power Jr. or Captain Sparkle Fingers. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's not my, it's not my name. But it's just Shazam. Wait, for real? Took him two movies to figure that out. I'm an idiot. Which brings us to the first of our credits scenes. This first scene sees two members of Team Peacemaker, Agent Amelia Harcourt and John Economos, approaching Shazam, who's practicing his lightning bolt marksmanship. They offer him a chance to join the Justice Society, not the Justice League. <laughs> Sorry, Billy, 18 years old or not, you're not getting on a team with Wonder Woman. Mm -mm. Turns out Amanda Waller is putting a team together and maybe has taken charge of the group after Black Adam shifted the hierarchy of power in the DCEU. In the movie Black Adam, Waller reaches out to the Justice Society to deal with Dwayne Johnson's character. So it seems Waller might be taking a bigger role in how the Justice Society operates if she's recruiting for them. Or she's trying to get out in front of any future potential threats like the very super-powered Shazam. Plus, Billy Batson is an American citizen, so Waller and the Peacemaker team might have more legal standing to recruit this kid versus recruiting Black Adam, who is not an American citizen. I don't know. Politics in superhero movies are strange. Shazam makes some jokes about why there would be two teams with justice in the name, which Harcourt admits is pretty weird. Billy then researches some alternatives, looking up thesaurus synonyms to justice. He throws out two interesting options, the Authority Society and the Avenger Society. I understood that reference. The second is an obvious joke. No, we're not getting a crossover between the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the DC Universe. Although since both of them are playing with multiverses, I guess it would be possible. But no, not happening, unless it does. No, it won't. <laughs> Wait, would that mean that Shazam has a multiversal variant who is an Asgardian warrior named Fandral the Dashing? Nope, they're not gonna do it. Uh-uh, too much. <laughs> Forget it. <laughs> But the first option, the Authority Society, is a project we're gonna get in the upcoming DCU, the Authority. The superhero team plays a little less nicely than the Justice League or the Justice Society, and we did a whole video on who they are and why they'll be important to the DCU, so make sure to check that video out. So it appears that Shazam will be a member of the Justice Society, if the Justice Society isn't wiped out by the universe-resetting events of the upcoming Flash film just a couple of months down the road. So we can imagine a new Justice Society roster with Hawkman, Atom Smasher, Cyclone, and now Shazam, maybe replacing the fallen hero Dr. Fate. The second credit scene is an update from the first Shazam film. If you'll remember, that film's villain, Dr. Thaddeus Savannah, played by Mark Strong, is defeated and then imprisoned. The post credit scene for that first film teased a classic Shazam villain when Dr. Savannah comes face to buggy face with Mr. Mind. Now, Mr. Mind is, oh boy, uh, a great classic comic book villain. Maybe the most comic booky villain of all time. Basically, he's a super genius worm, yes, worm, who was a constant thorn in the side of the entire Shazamly. 
Some versions of the character in the comics made him out to be an alien, and others a worm who recruited villains into the Monster Society of Evil during the 1940s. In the Shazam movies, Mr. Mind was a prisoner of the wizard Shazam until he escaped in 1974 when a young Thaddeus Savannah first met the wizard and was rejected by him. Then years later, he approaches the imprisoned Savannah and now we're caught up to Fury of the Gods. In the new scene, Savannah says he's been in prison for two years, waiting for the caterpillar to do something vague. Mr. Mind reveals that his plan is in motion. He just can't get places quickly because he has to slither instead of walk or even fly. Not gonna lie, that made me laugh. That was really funny. <laughs> because he is just in his larval state after all. Come on, cut him some slack. And then he wriggles out of that cell after promising that he has only one more thing that he needs to do before his plan can be enacted. We're gonna have to wait and see what Mr. Mind's big dastardly plan could be when the next Shazam film comes to theaters. Or maybe this will be a running joke throughout the series moving forward, where Mr. Mind promises something big will happen, but it never does. It would fit into Shazam's humor. <laughs> but we want to know, what do you folks think? Who else should join the Justice Society? Will we ever see Mr. Mind's plan on screen? No! Let us know in the comments below. Thank you so much for watching, and for the latest and greatest in the world of pop culture, stay tuned to Nerdist.com.